This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Score, the podcast. The only show taking you inside the studios of the world's most celebrated composers and musicians. From Los Angeles, inside Five Point Studios, this is Score the Podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Holmes. Hey. Alongside Robert Kraft. Hello. And we're here, uh, our guests this week, Grammy-nominated, Emmy-winning composer duo of Stranger Things, Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein. It's actually kind of a wonderful throwback to our very first episode i think i someone asked me you asked me would be the someone what music i was excited about and i said oh i love the music oh, from yeah. stranger things and you said hey maybe we'll get them on the show sometime thinking we'd never be able to get those guys they must be really hard to plus find. they're in austin they're It'll in austin be, texas must, yeah. we'll never get them little and did we know they have a studio today, right here in la right well welcoming them very shortly after we we had a couple things we we're going to talk about before we bring in well let's introduce our executive producer matt schrader oh who, hey guys i'm matt two words for you Jordan Bieber. Well, yes. Jordan Bieber's going to be here later. I don't Robert, you've been blowing up online. The real Jordan Bieber uh, followed you and put together a little mashup. Did Jordan he? Bieber. Yeah. Oh, cool. Is it like a hit-bound kind of chart top? Well, oh, well, it's on me, Billboard now. It's rising. Let me see if I can find it real quick uh, somewhere. Jordan Bieber. Yeah, it was posted on the... Uh, hold on a sec. On the interweb? Yeah. Oh, here it, here it is. I found it. Two words for you. Sounds a little like Justin Bieber. Jordan Bieber. Oh, oh were you on? Did, were you two on this? Two words for you. Two words. Two words. Two words for you. Jordan Bieber. What do you mean? Oh, that must be him. Jordan. 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 Robert, I had no idea you had time to feature in this top forty hit. Jordan. Jordan. Two words. Words for you. Oh man. Jordan. Two words. I love the internet. Jordan, two, two, Jordan, two words. Jordan Bieber, Bieber, Jordan Bieber. Wow, yeah, that was you know, great. I, I don't want to talk about it too much. It's my other career, which is. Just, <laughs> Were you working on that this week? Oh man, I've been working on that for like months, but uh, finally we got it together and just. I just thought it was it was really surprising how you leaked that on the show by accident, and then the the single releases. Just, you know, I, I'm I'm a big uh, yeah, the same day. strategist with virality. That's I what guess they call so. Me. I just this I is this like sh- some Kanye level yeah, stuff it's here. Just, it's heavy. Oh I, man, it's a heavy kind of inside track. Well, anyway, but, I, I like the track a lot. Well, Jordan's really he, he, yeah he's he's actually very proud of it as well. We'd love to get him on the show if you. I know you guys been in the studio just grinding. Well, he's but, just he, yeah he's working hard. But if he gets out of the studio and takes a break, we'll get him on. Well, in the meantime, we have uh, two big guests, Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein. We're gonna have them in in just a bit. We're gonna talk uh, Stranger Things and their band Survive and a bunch of other things they're working on. Um, we also, on today's show, have a new episode of The Inside Track with Dr. Sulan Tan. It's titled, I Love New York. I'm not going to leak anything on it. It's really cool, so stick around for that. She always has, has such cool insight on the way uh, music is really, used in yeah, really film and TV. Yep. Um, different perspective. Plus, another chance for our audience to win a fabulous prize. It's the game that's sweeping social media, just like Jordan Bieber. Name that score. And with the best theme. 
Yes. Well, speaking of, opinion. we had a couple uh, listeners already send in some new cues for Name That Score after John Powell completely shredded the theme. I don't have this. We'll, we'll revisit it uh, next yeah, week. Yeah, we'll, we'll play a couple of them next week. So keep sending them in. But that was really cool. Thanks uh, for those that have sent their Didn't cues Didn't one in. guy, the episode went up and one guy sent something eight hours later, yeah. a new Name That Score Well, the episode theme. posted at midnight Pacific time and someone in England, that's eight in the morning, I, I think within 12 hours of the show being out, he sent us a cue. So that was pretty cool. Um, I do want to get into a, a little topic before we jump in with uh, the guys and talk about Stranger Things. A trailer released for Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, yeah. yeah. I saw it. Which yep. is the biopic on Freddie Mercury. Uh, I think it's Queen as a whole, but... Yeah, long awaited. On, this this whole project has been... And people have been excited for it. And it's uh, Rami Malek playing Freddie Mercury, which is going to be interesting because he, he's a big success from Mr. Robot. It's a really crazy trailer because the music from Queen, they're using s- samples of that, kind of like your your Jordan Bieber mix yes. uh, a minute ago. But they're using samples from all these Queen songs that are kind of stitched together in, in interesting ways for the trailer. The trailer is basically just their greatest hits album snipped together. I always wonder about the scenes behind the scene of how hard it is to get the rights to so we were talking about this this stuff is expensive there's rights involved there's how does that to put together a trailer even like the one that that has come out for that where you have you know eight different songs that are chopped up and and put into something what what is that a headache for a a music department somebody went through a lot of permissions and a lot of money and a lot of rights because you figure out that first of all any song there's the underlying songs you have to go to the publisher for the copyright maybe there's several writers maybe there's several publishers you have to go to the record company and say can we use your master or maybe you want to recreate some you can't say the word sound alike anymore that's a lawsuit so you have to say <laughs> you have to say something that represents the way the song was recorded so it's a very people don't realize how complicated it is and for biopics, it's often one of the biggest obstacles, which is the can, rights. can you get the rights to the music? I mean, there's a Jimi Hendrix biopic out there where they couldn't get a lot of the music, so they kind of worked around it, and it the movie didn't do very well because they didn't have a lot of Hendrix in there. With with something as big as Queen, though, you got to assume that the band and the people behind it are involved because that must otherwise, I mean, there's, that's probably a reason why there isn't a Michael Jackson biopic. I can't imagine how much that would cost. Yeah, well, some official. It's hard, and there's um, there are examples of both. I mean, uh, we did walk the line when I was at Fox. Johnny Cash, the Johnny Cash story, and John Cash, his son, was very involved with us, mm-hmm. very involved in permissions and helping and relationships because that's really what it takes. But we also have an example in the last couple of weeks of how this can go horribly wrong, where. There were two Leonard Bernstein pictures being made simultaneously moving towards the finish line. Jake Gyllenhaal had one, and Bradley Cooper and with Steven Spielberg had another. And the Bernstein Yeah, estate, who are you going to go with? If you're the-, the estate picked Bradley Cooper and Steven Spielberg. Oh, they picked Spielberg. That's Funny a real surprise. how they made that choice. <laughs> but it leaves Jake Gyllenhaal in a situation of how are you going to make a Leonard Bernstein picture when you don't have the permissions for all the music that you need well when you do a a movie like this about queen at least i mean you got to assume too that their music is going to hit the top of the charts after the movie comes out uh we've seen this a lot of times with different movies where 
a, a song is used, you know, whether it's unrelated and it's just a pop song used in a, in a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy with all the different hits in there. Um, even I was reading about Wayne's World, um, the, the moment where they use Bohemian Rhapsody. Yep. Do you have that, Matt? I think we'll go with a little Bohemian Rhapsody, gentlemen. Good Good call. Good call. <laughs> so this I was reading a story about this where Mike Myers demanded that this song be used in the movie and this I guess the studio wanted a Guns N' Roses song and he almost quit the project because he demanded this be used and then this song blew up almost bigger than the first time it came out and this is I mean what a legendary movie moment that is so Using these types of songs and, you know, if the band's on board, they're going to make a lot of money, both from the studio paying for the rights, but then also What does that stuff cost, Robert? Well, well, I'll tell you that you'd think it would always be obvious, but it isn't. I'll tell you a story about we were making the movie Kingdom of Heaven, Yep. Ridley Scott directing, and um, a lot of big stars in it. Um, Orlando Bloom. Well, you know Ridley Scott's director. You know it's a it's a it's legit gonna, right yeah. huge. And of course, we wanted to make a trailer using what would be a wonderful song with the word "heaven" in the title. Uh huh. So we went to. I can think of one. To Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. Yep. To get Stairway to Heaven. Denied. Denied. Full circle with uh, a million Wayne's bucks World. was offered. <laughs> a million. Yep. The studio offered to pay a million dollars for the trailer, just for the trailer. Yep. And um, they felt strongly that this didn't any other song, but "Stairway to Heaven." You're going to have trouble finding "Stairway to Heaven" in any piece of television or film. Well, going they've, back to Wayne's World, they've they go to play it in the thing, and he's like, "Ding, ding, ding," and they point to the sign, and it's like, "No Stairway to Heaven." <laughs> like they, it was almost like a meta putting the song in there, but without doing it. It was kind of brilliant. So certain certain bands are very particular. There have been a lot of instances where we've offered money to a band to say, "We'd like to put your single in a movie," and they say no. We just don't want it. We don't like that movie. We don't like that actor. We don't like that vibe. Um, so you'd think it'd be an obvious, oh, how great. I mean, Coldplay wouldn't let their songs be in movies for a long time. They just oh, interesting, didn't, yeah. They just didn't want it. And so you'd think, well, you can, you're can, you going to sell records. Let's do it. Mm, we're not convinced. So Two words for you. Jordan Bieber. Well, Jordan Bieber will put his song in a movie, actually, if, you, <laughs> if you'll buy him lunch. So uh, he's, he's the easiest. So the whole Jordan Bieber catalog is available. I want everyone to know. It's pretty small, I think, right it's now. It's very but... small. Well, at this point, it's just that one song, which we heard. Yeah, which, uh, that's a good one. But that song's going up. Do you want to play us out with that, Matt? That song's going up in price, so I'd grab it now. <laughs> <laughs> Matt just shook. You can his see head. it on our social media page. Yeah, Great. if you if you want to see it, or you can. I think you, Jordan Bieber is at, now at at the Jordan Bieber. Oh, good. Yeah, there well, you go. It's a rage on. Social so I media think we're right pretty much teed up. We can call in the fellas to come into their own five point studio and start our show. That on, is correct. Uh, we're bringing them in: Kyle Dixon, Michael Stein, from half of the band Survive, and the composers of Stranger Things. Coming up right after the break. Hey, Matt Schrader here. We're back to the show in 15 seconds, but a quick thank you to everyone who's been telling a friend about Score the Podcast. We're one of the fastest growing entertainment podcasts out there right now, and that's thanks to you telling a friend. You're probably thinking of somebody else right now that enjoy the show. If it's safe to do so, hit pause and let them know about Score the Podcast. 
It helps keep this show going. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Score the Podcast. We're here welcoming in Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein. You know their incredible music from Stranger Things 1 and 2 and Upcoming 3. Uh, thanks so much for uh, joining Score the Podcast, guys. Yeah, cool. We're, we're surrounded by all your synthesizers and, and really cool equipment. Um, Vintage. You guys started, obviously, uh, in a band. I'm curious how you met. What was the initial meeting before the band? Or did, did you meet for the band? Or did, were you friends before? How did that... We met pretty young. Yeah, we met when we were like 13 at the skate park. Mm-hmm. Nice. In and Dallas? Yeah. Or in Plano, Plano technically. Eisenbergs. But yeah, Dallas. Uh, Did you know each one of you were musicians? We weren't musicians at that time. I don't time. think we, we were. were just yeah. listening to music and sharing music and skating and, and, and skating. skating. That took that was for about I don't know eight ten years before we actually even started to try to make music. Yeah, did you Did you bond over music? Like, yes. what were you guys listening to? Um, at that point, we were pretty. I young. mean, we were. Sublime. <laughs> no, I definitely had a sublime. We weren't CD. from California, so three eleven. And <laughs> this—that's more. This that's, is elementary school. But yeah, I mean, three wow. eleven. Like, I feel like they became famous I'm because of skate them. videos. I don't know if that if that's right, but I b- feel like skate videos kind of propagated them quite a bit. That probably makes sense. So um, there was a moment where you decided to go into a garage or a rehearsal room or let's jam or let's write a song well so i most of this like when we started really getting into music we started getting into like uh experimental electronic stuff mm-hmm. that was kind of borderline pop at that point like apex twin and things on nice. warp records reflex records and all that kind DMX of stuff crew. dmx crew square pusher square pusher, square pusher. for sure yeah. Tecker. idm stuff oval and marcus pop the tortoise, tortoise, tortoise head, um, all that kind of stuff yep. is what we Radiohead, were, Radiohead, yeah, nice, massive attack. And so, attack. so you you did survive. You're you're doing your thing, and the Duffer Brothers. I, I know that the and correct me if the if I'm wrong on the story, but the story goes that the Duffer Brothers uh, cut their sizzle trailer with your song Dirge. You have Dirge here, Matt. Play a little. So they they cut this trailer to dirge and and sold the show and then called you and said, "Hey, <laughs> well, are they, you interested?" They, how, they how did emailed, that go? They emailed us and it only took the first sentence for us to, you know, immediately perk up. It said there's three keywords, you know, Netflix, Winona Ryder, sci-fi horror. Are you interested? <laughs> wow. Right. So yeah. that's an obvious yes. And then we Basically, uh, just did, scrambled over. Did they have the sizzle trailer attached? Yeah, with they, dirge in there. Yeah, yeah. but so you've never met them. Or, nope, no, hadn't met them. Definitely a left field email. Yeah, it was. Did just, you think it was fake at first? What was no, the reaction? It didn't. Seem well, fake. I looked it up, and then I. Re- <laughs> it really didn't seem fake. It was brief. It was. It, it was wasn't, direct. It was direct. It was very direct. Very brief. Didn't have anything in it that would make it seem like it wasn't real. So we. I think that night we sent over. Just a huge library of work. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So yeah, we we just like looked for anything that we that was already on Dropbox because we wanted to get back to them as soon as possible. Yeah. So, so what was the email? It, it said, "We did this. Are you interested? Send us some examples." Well, it was 
it was it it said you know it gave the prompt and said are you still a band because it had been a few years since we'd released anything are you available are you interested do you think of yourself now as guys from a band who score a tv show or do you think of yourself as film composers looking for other scores to write who also have a band where do you position yourself we've had the interest of being in film score and sound design and just work in that field from before even the very beginning of getting into music it was always from a creative kind of exploring uh, experimental and textural stuff so depending on who's asking i will give a different answer i like that i think i'm just happy to be doing music for a living yeah yeah and and I would like to do that in as many ways as possible. I think that's the best answer you could ever have, which is it's hard to make a living as a musician. And just saying yes to opportunities is yeah. not being precious. Just saying, hey, you want us to score a show or you want us to play a date? You said when we talked earlier, you're, you're about to play a date in Barcelona. We're playing correct? two dates right. in Barcelona, actually. Um, two consecutive uh, afternoons, I guess, um, at, for Primavera Festival. So Barcelona. the band Survive is... Alive and well. Yeah. Yeah, we're active. Mm-hmm. How has this whole thing changed the band's popularity and notoriety? Well, well that that wasn't, it was non-existent prior to the <laughs> show. So. The plus column, <laughs> yeah. you can say. Yeah, yeah, with lots of opportunities, we've been traveling a lot and playing a lot of gigs and traveling abroad and playing there, all the big festivals. So it's, I imagine, the Stranger Things gig is seasonal. In other words, there's a time that you're writing and cranking episodes, and then when they go into their writing mode. So are we currently in a mode for the show where they're off and you have time to play gigs? Um, well, half of that is true. They're, okay. they're filming now. They've begun filming. We're not in on that project yet, but we're doing other projects. We've, we've been expanding uh, what we've been working on and yeah. taking on some other We've got a mini series. We got a nice. few things that are in the works right now. One's wrapping as we speak. Like how cool! So we can look for more, more scores. Are any of those things you can talk about yet? Yeah, I think so. At least one of them for sure, because it's already been out. What, what's did, it called? Is that the short film? We have scored two of three. It's a it's a a VR series mm. called Spheres. Oh, I read yeah. about this um, with direct, Jessica Chastain. Is Jessica Chastain narrated the third. The it's the second so we, the episodes are coming out out of order so the second episode came out first which is about black holes narrated by Jessica Chastain mm. the third episode came out second mm. and it's just kind of about this the birth of the cosmos and that's narrated by Patty Smith which is that's really cool. great nice and the third I don't I don't I can't talk about that one yet it's not out yeah we haven't done it yeah but um yeah directed by Eliza McNitt produced by um, what's that guy's name Darren, Darren Aronofsky. Aronofsky oh great <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that yeah. guy yeah. Protozoa it's an yeah. interesting Darren There's Aronofsky Crimes of Curiosity some yeah. dude bunch of people. <laughs> Darren is an interesting director to mention here because he has worked with some really interesting he works with Clint Mansell right mm-hmm. you know for Requiem for a Dream and then Black Pie. Swan and Clint is kind of in an interesting zone that I would even go so far as to say is not entirely removed from the geography of Kyle and Dix and 
Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein, or Kyle and Dixon, which is like Jordan. Which Bieber. is I was he, I was going to say that that sounds like um, Jordan Bieber's Kyle friend. and Dixon. People, is people kind have of asked like me the Kyle first time. Jordan, I made notice Bieber. of a Jordan Bieber. <laughs> of a film score before, and it might have been like Pi. It was definitely like, Pi because it had like a drum and bass score. It was right like, on. It was Clint Mansell. <laughs> that might have been the, one of the first ones I got on a on like a, a, a CD or burned or something. I think when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the Austin community. I'd like to yeah, okay. hear some of your thoughts and also just about the process for Stranger Things. Yeah, we're, we're going to sure. jump back into Stranger Things, talk about that a little bit more. Uh, but first, the Inside Track. The Inside Track with music psychologist Dr. Sulan Tan. Billy Wilder's film, The Lost Weekend, begins with a panoramic shot of the New York City skyline. And then we pan over to a window where we see a man who's packing a suitcase. My colleague Oliver Vituk used this scene in a research study and asked these three questions. What could this man be thinking? What are his life circumstances? And what could happen next? He showed some participants this scene with the original score composed by Miklos Roja, which goes like this. Viewers tended to give narratives with positive themes. For instance, one wrote, The man is in a good mood, has a secure and well-paid job, and is just preparing a candlelit dinner for his new love. Then they go for a walk and explore the beauties of the city. Other participants were shown the same scene, but with this music. Those who watched this version tended to give more negatively toned narratives. One wrote, He's packing his luggage to leave this town. The city looks depressing, without a perspective for the future. The miserable everyday life in New York. You may recognize this music as Barber's Adagio for Strings, a classical piece used in Platoon, Lorenzo's Oil, and many other films. Interestingly, even the mood of the city and the weather seem to change somewhat with the music. With Rocha's original score, some participants wrote, It's a nice, warm autumn day with leaves on the streets, lovely weather, beautiful surroundings. Whereas with Barber's alternate music, participants described the same scene as, The city looks depressing, gloomy surroundings. The pan shot over the city, all gray and desperate, invoked a feeling of loneliness. The film is shot in black and white, and the cityscape looks a little overcast in the background. But as we pan across a building in the foreground, it looks like it may be bathed in sunlight. It's interesting that each music track seemed to play up one of these elements. So in this study, the music didn't just shape the narrative about the man's life, but also colored viewers' impressions of New York City, which is like a character in many movies. It brings to mind the opening sequence of Woody Allen's Manhattan, 
where shots of the same New York City skyline are shown, but now accompanied by this music. Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, the New York skyline looks majestic, powerful, and grand. Lastly, here's another memorable New York opening, Saturday Night Fever. This time we don't hear any music at first, only views of New York City with the sounds of traffic and the subway. And then we see John Travolta strutting down a street in Brooklyn. His well-shined shoes stepping to the beat of Stayin' Alive. Vitouk's intriguing study shows that music can frame opening scenes in quite different ways, building different expectations for what's going to happen, shaping our impressions of characters we meet, and even coloring our perceptions of the environments where these stories and characters live. Dr. Sulan Tan is a leading researcher in the study of film music and the author of many books, including her latest, Psychology of Music, From Sound to Significance, available now at score-movie.com slash podcast. Hey, we're back with Dixon and Stein, or as I like to call them, Kyle and Dixon. It's kind of the new <laughs> variation. It's the sub-band. Uh, and Michael and Stein is kind of another duo yeah uh, those are both smaller bands smaller bands are kind of offshoot bands they kind of do how, everything how it's a good bands, solo project yeah those are the solo projects there's a filmmaking community in austin texas which certainly hollywood's very aware of there's uh roberto rodriguez and terrence malick richard linkletter i've mm-hmm. been down there to make some movies with with a number of them and uh some great recording studios do you feel that you are being courted by or embraced by the filmmakers in Austin? you still hang mostly with the music crew or both? I don't know anyone. Well, that's not that's not true. Not true. But of the people you mentioned? Yeah. I don't know I, anyone like I've industry I've never there. met them. Okay. I went to Troublemaker Studios for the first time during South by this year. Mhm. Um it's literally half a mile from my house. But I They didn't never, throw their arms around you or carry you I around mean, on their Which shoulders. one is that? <laughs> which one is that? Which Troublemaker Studios? Yeah, Robert Rodriguez. That's okay. where all the I guess Spy Game, uh, yeah. Spy Kids. Oh, he did. Is that where some people remember, broke into Alien vs Predator? Was, no, I was just about to say or, Alien. Uh, what was the What was that movie called? Anyway, there was an Alien set that was left up. Nice. Or no, sorry, Predator. Right. Not not Alien. You, you threw me off. Yep. The Predator set was left up for a while, and I had one of the best Valentine's days ever by taking my girlfriend at the time to break into the Predator set and play around <laughs> with some, like, impaled Predators. Okay, we're going to leave, we're gonna leave that alone for awesome. now for all kinds of reasons. Oh, um, anyway, it was, it was a nice time. Don't Don't put that out of context. Yeah, right. That should be a sample. <laughs> That's it. Uh, <laughs> Valentine's Day and impaled in the same sentence. Oh, Two words for you. Jordan Bieber. Jordan Bieber <laughs> is the only person that would approve. You go to these film score events, are you... 
hanging with the composers or are you the the music guys what's that interaction like i mean generally everybody is pretty nice yeah, and just wants to talk you know they're just excited that they're back <laughs> and then they say those guys <laughs> they, no, got, they got the big show it's great i mean i think there's a real an important conversation that's going on here which is an evolution of film music that a lot of what you're doing represents it's um you know music there was a word that I have always known in film scoring, which is that score is cuey. Cuey? Cuey. Meaning a lot of dash Y. So it means that when the guy's walking up the stairs, you're Mickey Mouse. Right. And Mickey Mousing it and being cuey, which is music really stops and starts on the action. The door closes. The guy hugs the girl. There's the cue. And they walk out and they get in the car and drive away and the cue ends. I know if we write something that feels a little generic, we'll call it a little too TV. TV. That's funny. Here you're doing TV. That might be the evolution of where TV is, which is TV music now is so interesting and sophisticated. And um, I think that in some ways, part of it is the approach, which I wanted yeah. to ask you about, which is traditionally the composer gets a script and he reads the script mm -hmm. and he starts to write some themes for characters and then he mm -hmm. presents, they spot the episode or spot the film with the director and music stops here and starts here. It doesn't feel to me, just as an observer, like that may be the process, but I'd be curious, do you score to picture? Do you hand in a lot of, you know, it's, I always imagine it's yards of fabric that the director <laughs> cuts Slushed. to fit the character. Mm, How yeah. does the process work for Stranger Things? They don't necessarily happen in the exact order you think they would traditionally, like how it might have happened before yep. digital and how fast things move. We've definitely written pieces prior to the picture that have made it into the picture. We can nice, hear the bird on the other bird. side of the window. Yeah. <laughs> Where are those birds? Are they birds auditioning. Yeah. You have some bird samples in there? Yeah. <laughs> we will next week. Um, so you so send yeah. them music and they say this is cool for a scene. Yeah. Yep. We'll, we'll send over ideas from the uh, the conceptual phase. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. And that is um, a real phase. Um, Oh, I'm not really joking about it. I thought it, right? you were playing something. <laughs> yeah. That was a nice low end. <laughs> now I know that I can't effect. track uh, with condenser mics in here. It's <laughs> right. great to um, find out. But also, I mean, there's like, there I, must be dramatic beats in a particular episode. Oh, for the sure. The director I mean, say to you, here comes Eleven, and she's looking scared. Can you make her more scared? We, oh, yeah. We try oh, to pick yeah. out you know some climactic scenes and also moments um, early on that we would need themes for do they send you yeah i was gonna say how, how much do they send you in because you know well, there's, there's two different ways to do tv now you either get the whole series at once or you get episode by episode like uh, as a viewer no no i'm saying no. i'm saying like as a, a in working too we oh. prefer to just work off of a lock we if we can so the first season was kind of a it was completely different we were just Everyone was excited. It wasn't to see. a thing yet. Yeah, it wasn't right. a thing yet. Everyone was excited to get started. So we were. I mean, we were writing, looking at dailies because we just mm -hmm. wanted to see what these kids were like and what things were looking like, and writing a lot of stuff before we even had any anything resembling an edit. And then we got scenes as they would come in, and did a lot of work that way, which was really fun. But the second season, I mean, we ended up also doing a lot of 
duplicate work because we started working so early. Oh, okay. Um, so the second time around, well, we we were also more busy, so we d- didn't work that way. But we wanted to make sure that we weren't writing to anything until it was at least at least a director's cut or a you know a late editor's cut with some feedback from the directors. But we were working to full episodes. Did you know when you were watching the dailies and when you first got this project that it was going to be what it? I mean, did you get a sense that it was amazing? Or were I mean, you not really sure what to expect? I was genuinely like laughing at at certain scenes. Yeah, I, I was convinced the writing was good. I mean, uh, n- I don't think that anybody expected it to be as huge. Yeah, if as anyone massive. had a crystal ball, yeah, right. But it's just but it's I think overnight. I mean, and that's the other thing too with Netflix. When something comes out, people can watch it in a day and mm. realize that this thing's amazing. You don't have to wait weekly and find out that episode five, it's not as great as they thought it was going to be or something. Yeah. So did you feel that were people reaching out to you immediately when they released it? Or how long did it take for you to realize that you guys had something huge here? Um, when it came out. Yeah. yeah I got a, a little story about this one. Shoot. Told before. So we came out here to LA to go to the, um, the premiere. Hmm. Where was that on? It was at Max Sennett Studios. The, we were done working for af- after that happened, so we both went on vacation, <laughs> which was, I think that may be the last time I went on vacation. <laughs> um, <laughs> My heart bleeds. Before everything changed. <laughs> yeah, now you just and work then, on vacation. Yeah, now we right, work on vacation. Yeah, now right. we have just a mobile rig right here. It's a good problem to have. <laughs> um, and so I went camping the day that the show came out. So I was, my cell phone was turned off or I, I didn't have service for like three days and I got back, so came out on a Friday. I got back into town on Sunday and turned my phone back on. And that's when I knew. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> because <laughs> when I turned, you know, have you ever seen those videos of the notifications just like flying by? Oh yeah. It like when a celebrity posts a, yeah. Yeah. It was like that. And my phone started overheating and I was just, Okay, and it was old oh, friends. Right. It was new friends. It was people looking for it. Everything, it was right? everybody. Yep, I bet. What a moment! And that was uh, yeah. Because also we didn't tell anyone we were doing it. Really, we didn't huh. want to jinx it. Right. Yeah. Because in my mind, we could have been fired a week before it came out. Yeah. And, and you then, never know what those things. Yeah, we read, too, if, yeah. We read like <laughs> Berkeley's School of Music of Scoring book, and just like that's like all we had to go off. And they're like, oh, right. they can just like drop someone at the last minute. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. They can even. <laughs> like, they can, you can even score the whole thing, and they can decide. You right, know, it's never over till it's over. You got to see it on the air like with le- your legend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, legend Chinatown, one of the most famous. You know, ten days before Chinatown town came oh, out. Oh right, yeah. Jerry Goldsmith wrote an entirely new score. They yeah. took the first one off, put Jerry Goldsmith on. You know, Academy Award. Didn't that happen with Space? Um, two thousand one. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Ligeti. Uh, there wasn't they, a uh, yeah. there. It was what was it? Alex North scored it and Could then went to the Showed premiere up and at the premiere <laughs> in New York. Find that his yeah, he got still got invited. I thought that was kind of a that's going to leave a mark. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> shows up at the premiere. Hate it first, when that happens. First cue, he says, "Hmm." So was it? Were this you, is not my score. When Stranger Things started and you heard your music, you were like, whew, whew, "I didn't yeah. get, I didn't get north exactly. <laughs> I didn't get nuked north." Um, I, I wonder. The most important question I have, and Kenny, sorry to interrupt, but I just how dare have you, you met Millie? Yes. Oh yeah, she's, she's great. sweet. She yeah, is she amazing. Is she remembers you. Eleven. She's yeah. amazing. Yeah, she's yeah, she's great. 
That's great because she was wasn't so impressed with you. She told me that she actually. I'm, yeah, yeah. No, I never met her. I wish I'd like to. She's she's so she's cool. adorable. Yeah, and she seems so cool. She's, the whole cast seems cool. Yeah, cool. they're all. <laughs> yeah, she calls me a lot and says, "You know those guys." Kyle and Dixon, Michael, keep and them away from me. Yeah, just yeah. if you they, if you could just I don't know maybe block them like, from that social right. media. She seems absolutely amazing, of course. Yeah, and and the whole cast. I mean, the Duffer Brothers. Oh, this is amazing. The Duffer Brothers <laughs> really got drops or everything. In every, <laughs> in some ways, it's a compliment to you. In that every single part of this show has been curated. And yeah, I was really say. actors, of course, and the writing, and. I heard, I don't know if it's true, that they had tried to shop the show many times mm-hmm. without success. I heard that So too. that when you hear that finally Netflix says, okay, we'll do it, and it becomes what it is, I wonder how many people in Hollywood are saying, oh man, that I know. was those guys, darn it. They're they just were, sitting there going, I mean, Son. I don't think, it, I think if it went with a different network and they weren't given the creative like freedom that they got, it might not have turned yeah. out what it was. So. I agree, yeah. yeah. I could see it going another way if, if I don't, you know, if if there was too heavy of a hand from the or too much pushback, or because it yeah. with us it was just like if the Duffers liked what we were doing, they just that's just so pushed, nice. Yeah, another it. network would probably have. It's a Stranger Things we're doing tonight. <laughs> Come on, tune in. Have been like Stranger a, Things. Have Robert Kraft write the Who's the Boss two theme for it. Stranger Things tonight. We're gonna yeah. have. All right, strange, I think sorry, this is a right. perfect time to that's, take a break. That's okay. our sorry <laughs> to cut you off. I've Robert. actually just written two. Uh, alternate theme songs in case you need them we go, go ahead and you could just mute that Matt. we're, we're gonna get going uh we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we're gonna play name that score with dixon and stein stick around Amazing. we'll be right back hey matt schrader here director of score of film music documentary for the latest news from the film music world follow us on facebook just search score of film music documentary or let us know who you want to hear next on the show on twitter at score the podcast this is backwards. No, this is our uh, this, is this is our music coming back. We're back. <laughs> it's Score the Podcast. We're here with Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein, the composers. Uh, Emmy-winning, Grammy-nominated composers for the Stranger Things score, Stranger Things 1 and 2. I thought that was interesting that they called it 2 instead of season 2. Yeah, we I thought guess it was weird they the didn't 80s. use a Roman numeral. For this oh, to be symmetrical, even, oh. even Stranger Things. But hey. it's like, is it like the <laughs> Superman two, or is it what is the? Yeah, it's almost like two? a movie. I forget. I'm yeah. sure it's derived from. Did another. when you guys wrote the the intro theme that that the Emmy winning theme? Um, did you write that to the graphics? Did you write that on its own? This one, yeah. Well, it, I mean, we we wrote it. it exist? We wrote it to thir- We did thirty second, forty five, and one minute versions. And then once we got the graphics, we had to do a million edits to make it It was match. It was kind of like, okay, so we got, the, we got the prompt that they maybe would have a theme and that we maybe would get to do it. So there was part of the contract that even if we did it, then it wasn't, they didn't have it figured out, but we were working on it the entire time from once we started. Mm. And the, the source of that um, cue like started as just like a little library piece that was an idea we pitched a couple things for for the theme and then they had found um a demo that was in the library that was basically a really a, a really, really oh, no it, well, it was just a track that was like recorded um, yeah because we weren't sure that we were going to do the theme we didn't know if they were going to go with the song mm-hmm. or something and then once they told us after we had already been working on the show for a while 
you know, then we're, they, they told us, okay, you're, you're going to do the theme. Um, it was just a crude thing that, that sent over like, and yeah, we, we were that arpeggio and a baseline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so cool because of the, because they used dirge in the, in the trailer, we were kind of thinking like that they wanted something like that for the theme. So most of the ideas that we pitched as themes were more in that vein. And then they said, Hey, there's something to this demo. Maybe, maybe try to play around with that. And then, yeah. And then I we kind of felt obsessed version. with themes and being like, I haven't heard one that like, wasn't like really got your attention. And from any of the TV I'd been watching since like Twin Peaks or something. So it was just really important to like put a lot of time on the side of yeah. doing scoring. It seems like you on didn't, the the- on you the didn't title. stray that far from the survive style. It almost sounds like <laughs> if, if you played the Stranger Things soundtrack or your score, it almost sounds like a survive album. Yeah, I think it, it's a, like a very similar, like the way it's built and the tones and the textures and stuff of the, the theme sounds like the way that survives music is produced. But given that, like we did play the the theme live a couple times on the first tour, nice. When we were like did this uh, the album cycle, and um, it just didn't really fit in the set. So yeah. we kind of realized it wasn't as cohesive with Survive Sound. That's interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I do. I think it definitely seems like something that it's weird. <laughs> like Michael was mentioning that that we played it. And it's kind of, it's this song, it's, it, it was like the clear weakest link of the set. So we <laughs> pulled it from the set, but it's the weakest link of the set that like everybody wants us it's to play. It's also all white notes and it's it, the only piece of music that exists that's all white notes that's, I think, ever come out of us. I think that if you guys are thinking about season three, I... Tonight when to the telephone rings, oh, it might <laughs> We're be have some to. stranger <laughs> things. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> Am I honest? And then go. <laughs> oh wow, that was perfect. <laughs> it sounds a little like the "Who's the Boss" thing. No, well, okay, I have to, I'm working on it. But if you guys want any ideas, I got you know. If you want it to be lyrical, yeah, okay, <laughs> all right. Uh, I on? think it's time. Maybe <laughs> I'll name that here's, score. That here's was a real the theme yeah. for you, right here. Get ready to play Name That Score! The film music game where a perfect score means you, yes you, could be a winner! Now let's play Name That Score! Yeah! Our, uh, we got some birds in the background, we got some planes overhead, and a studio audience listening uh, for this <laughs> this edition of Name That Score. Uh, our theme today is uh, 1980s classics. You guys, music has a little bit of a 80s feel to it. Works with the, uh, the story, and uh, a lot of that analog synth kind of stuff is really cool. Some of those are, are uh, some examples we'll play. We'll recap real quick how this works. Um, we play five examples of film scores in reverse. Robert, Kenny, Kyle, and Michael will all pick from three multiple-choice answers. The last question we give is worth double, and if anybody gets all of the questions right, we give away a prize on our Twitter account, at ScoreThePodcast. Just mention hashtag name that score. Um, and we our theme again today is 1980s classics, so each one of these pieces of music is played backwards, but it's from something you may recognize. We'll start with question one. The options for this one, I'll give you these first, are The Empire Strikes Back. Wait, these are all from the early 80s. Yeah. It's multiple choice. So you gotta, you gotta match these up with okay. the sound that we're about to play. Uh, 
the three options are The Empire Strikes Back, 1980, that's John Williams. Raiders of the Lost Ark, 1981, also John Williams. Or The Thing, 1982. John Carpenter. Ennio Morricone. Ennio Morricone. I was going to say, he actually wanted to write oh, this the is... music for that. That's really difficult. All right, let's we'll play it. it. Empire Strikes Back. Michael Boom. says, Empire Strikes Wasting Back. Wasting no time. Yeah, I mean, that that's the answer. <laughs> I, don't, I was like, I don't have to say it, dude. You're about to learn my technique for playing this game is I usually go with whoever feels really strongly. So I'm going to say is, Empire Strikes Back. We usually have a rule for this that we make Robert go last. Uh, no, so, first. Oh, first? Yeah, right, right, right. I don't know how the rules work, actually. <laughs> Am I supposed okay. to answer? You, I don't know. Well, the goal, you know, you know, the goal is that someone Please wins, so we give away a Kenny, what do you think? Well, I don't need to pilfer off anyone's choices because I feel that it's... Kenny's the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> and the answer is... Points for everybody. It's the Imperial March. All right, so uh, we got... Uh, everybody's got a, one point now after the first question. We're moving on to question no, two. Can I ask a question just before everybody goes? Do you know what happens if Darth Vader marries Ella Fitzgerald? Oh, boy. Are you going to sing again? No. <laughs> <laughs> she becomes elevator. Let's go. Thank Number two. Oh, boy. All right. Question two. These are all. Hold on. Uh, I got something for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so Kyle much. Kyle rolls around with his own soundboard. Vegas DJ sound effects. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. I got one for that, too. Thank you. <laughs> Question two. Uh, these are all scores from 1984. Uh, is this from The Terminator? 1984, Brand, Brad Fidel? Brad Fidel. Yeah. Fidel. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop, that's also 1984, Harold Faltermeyer. Harold Faltermeyer. And uh, Gremlins, 1984, Jerry Goldsmith. Robert's raising his hand. Boom, dang, dink, 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 What is it, Robert? Harold Faltermeyer. It's Axel F. by Harold Faltermeyer. It is. That's I vote Axel F. No question. Points for everybody again. Yeah. So good. Pretty fresh. This is a good one. I yeah. play this um, with a banana on my Instagram. What? <laughs> How'd you manage to do Let's that? Leave that alone I seriously too. play it with a banana on my lunch Was break. this on Where? Valentine's Day? With Was that switched on? Predator? It's on this really cheesy like Cassio <laughs> keyboard I fixed. Oh, um, nice. It was on the set of... Predator, but um, catch predator. A predator. <laughs> this show is now co-produced. By I know. I know. I love these guys. We gotta, we gotta have them around. For a banana a... can just be a banana. Sometimes a banana Sometimes. is just a banana. It's peanut butter jelly time. <laughs> I miss that guy. All right. Question three. Uh, everybody's two for two so, so far. This is uh, summer blockbusters from a few different years in the eighties. Nineteen eighty two's E. T. John Williams. Uh, 1985's Back to the Future, Alan Silvestri, or 1989's, Kenny's favorite, Batman by Danny Elfman. I know that. I can name that score. <laughs> Go ahead, <Mike>. Robert. <laughs> it's wait, Back wait, to wait. the Future. Oh. <laughs> You know what? I feel Michael's strongly very confident back to the about future. That. I just I don't know why. I just came. See to what me. he does. He poaches this stuff. You got it. You know, gonna, we did a couple uh, weeks ago. John Powell, uh, who is j- just did solo, uh, was giving fake answers 
just to throw me <laughs> These up. guys would bite, and then he would change his answer. <laughs> and then he won. <laughs> Back to the future. Back to the I, future. I have a strong Everybody. feeling. Yep. Yeah. Everybody? Points. Does that start with that devil's tritone that we were talking about? Yes. Is that what that is? I'll go with Play yes. It. Play it again. Let's see here. That? Mm-hmm. Yes. Not, not the chord, but the... Oh. Yep. That one. Maria. All right, we're moving on. We're moving on. Points for everybody. Nice. <laughs> Uh, let's see. We're I on know. question four, so everybody's perfect, um, and we're moving on. This is our last question worth one point, uh, and we're tied at three. Everybody, question four: Scary movies, The Shining, nineteen eighty, Wendy Carlos and Rachel Elkind. Um, Do you know El- Elkind? I don't. Uh, Poltergeist, nineteen eighty two, Jerry Goldsmith, or Nightmare on Elm Street, nineteen eighty four, Charles Bernstein. Interesting. Oh. That was definitely a horror experience right <laughs> there, that awesome. beginning part. <laughs> I'm going to stretch way out and say Poltergeist. I'm going to go with The Shining. Mm, this one's difficult for me, but I'm going to go with you hear Poltergeist. It again? I want to go with Poltergeist, but... Shining feels... But when you say Shining, it makes me want to say... I don't well, I'm just... P- the, the little I'm kid th- voices... Pol- yeah. I mean, that sounds like something from the Poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Wendy Carlos does have orchestral scores, right? That aren't synth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. What are we thinking? I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with Poltergeist. 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 All right, we have three winners. Oh, is it, Son of it's a Poltergeist. And none of them are Kenny. Kenny gets a big fat... But for everybody else... Just devastatingly embarrassing... I'll be in the car. Did you recognize this, Robert? I actually realized the funniest part about it is that I went with Poltergeist because the voice was backwards yeah. in this backwards cue. Here it's not backwards, of course. Yeah. But there, you have that little... Oh, there's the laugh. Yeah. You hear the little That's girl creepy, when she goes yeah. to the TV. So. Poltergeist 3 is pretty good. Poltergeist 3? In the skyscraper. <laughs> Miss that one. I'm gonna just poltergeist one. I, it's like the most B of all of them, but it's oh good. Isn't in the skyscraper? Okay. Yeah. I'm going to a wedding in September at the Shining nice. the Hotel. Nice. Oh yeah. I think it's in Estes Park, mm-hmm. Colorado. Colorado. A little yep. worried. Yeah. Have you seen, <laughs> have you, have you seen the movie Room Two Two Seven? Two three seven. But no. Or Room Two Three Seven. That was oh. the sequel, I think. No, you're right. <laughs> like, room Two Three Seven. <laughs> you must sequel. see. It's a documentary about scored the, by Jordan Bieber. About the room in the hotel. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. weird stuff happens, and it's you'll see. And it's kind of it goes into a lot of the conspiracy theories about um, the making and, and all the hidden messages that are supposed. Oh. Well, I'll be sure to watch that on the plane. It'll as freak I you out. There. <laughs> Stranger <laughs> things. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Question five. This uh, one is worth double, so that means Kenny can get back in the game and possibly even win the game if everybody else misses it. Uh, action movies from the 80s. Top Gun, 1986, Harold Faltermeyer and Giorgio Moroder. Mm. Robocop, Basil Paladoris. Basil, yeah. Ooh, that's 
It's gonna be and uh, Die Hard, nineteen eighty eight. Michael oh, yeah. Kamen. Did you work on that, Robert? I didn't work on it. I was there at the set, but I didn't work on. What it. was the first one again? The first one's Top Gun. Oh, Top Gun. Okay. Sounds like a Danny Elfman score backwards. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What's the middle one? Yeah. The first one was thing. Top Gun. I'm going Top with Gun, Robocop. Top Gun, Robocop, and Die Hard. I'm going with Die Hard. I'm going Robocop. I'm Robocraft, so I'm going with Robocop. <laughs> All right. We have one winner for this. It's oh. the winner of the game, Michael. Nice. One day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know what that was. That was a different drop. <laughs> That was from Die Hard. <laughs> was it really? Can we hear it forward? Uh, no, because that was John Legend. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Wait, can we hear it forward? Uh, yeah, i got to pull this up. Talk amongst yourselves. I didn't mean to flick you Die guys Hard, off. Michael Kamen, I actually... I apologize. Went, uh, what, you apologize for winning? You're for flicking you eyes off. <laughs> oh, no, I think that's, I think that's required that's of a winner. If we can get a photo of that. Was that what that bird was? <laughs> <laughs> if we can get a photo. That's sportsmanship. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> These guys are good... <laughs> Where in the movie is this cute? This we, is a big you, end. Have you heard it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I've seen that movie a lot. I've seen it a lot, too. <laughs> Did you Been recognize this? I just kind of recognize the texture of the yeah. sound. Have you ever seen what was Nakitomi Plaza yes. in Century City? Yeah. Yeah. So when they film that movie... You can movie, see it from what studio? You can see it from Fox. I mean, it's uh, Fox. literally right next door yeah. to Fox. But Which has the Die Hard painted on the wall. Correct. Yeah. And they were building that building in 1988 and decided to use it as a set. So in a lot of the scenes where it's kind of funky and, you know. Oh, it was unfinished and they just used it? Yeah, they used it. Brilliant. We have one bonus question that we were going to use as a tiebreaker. Should we do it? You want to do it just for fun? I think think we have our winner. No. We have our clear winner already. Michael. Definitely Michael. And uh, Michael Einstein. But this could be Michael, a runner-up. Michael and Stein, yeah, the the Michael and Stein, Michael and Stein, both kind of a split personality. You guys did a great job over there, Michael and Stein. Yes. Question six: Is this uh, I music wish I could from? Speak out of my throat and my voice, like <laughs> throat, <laughs> throat, and like do like a double. <laughs> so that's yeah. right. The low one is Stein in the upside down. <laughs> nice. Question six: Is this from the Karate Kid, 1984, Ghostbusters, 1984, or Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Who are you gonna call? Is what I want to know. What were they? Robert's raising his hand. The options here are The Karate Kid, Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters, and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Elmer Bernstein, Ghostbusters. Ooh. Go ahead. I just cut you off. I'm trying to throw it I'm going with Ghostbusters. I'm going with with Ghostbusters, too. Everybody's Bill and Ted. I I recognize that. Kyle's Kyle's going Bill and Ted? (laughs) Yeah. Kyle and Dixon? (laughs) Sure. The firm of Kyle and Dixon lawyers? (laughs) It is is, uh, Ghostbusters. I recognize that. Everybody knows the song, but this one's Is it from the library? No. When it's this? used all through the film yeah. in different places. But yeah, th- I think this is used in the opening scene. Like in the hotel? Or? No. Um, I'd have to watch it again, but I know it's it's right at the start. Oh, yeah. There you go. I love that. Hey, I wanted to ask you guys another question before we wrap things wait, up. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, excuse me. We I'm still the winner. Our, play our clothes. Yes. My, <laughs> I was going to say. Our big is. winner. Michael Stein! <laughs> Michael Stein! <laughs> 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 <laughs>
man, it's getting out of hand. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys, in recording, mm-hmm. have you recorded something really weird and turned it into mu- in a music? <laughs> is that part there of it the is. Stranger Things? That's the answer. All right, well, that's he said, it. He said he used a broken thumb piano. I mean, we've done a lot. Um, I'm trying to think of like the weirdest thing. that we. Well, I, I know that you're always trying to experiment, and every season of Stranger Things... Do you do you try to add something new or, or well this break is kind the of rules a, a little this more? This is kind of a joke for a joke for me, but in the second season we added a piano. Oh, that <laughs> is so <laughs> rad! Whoa, that's pretty out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, cool. It's wild. Um, you can play all the notes at one time. Oh man, <laughs> it so gets louder when it? you play it. You don't have harder. to plug it in. <laughs> it's just radical. It just plays. It's super acoustic. <laughs> nice um, weird stuff, huh? I, I like, like that, you, that you mentioned this thing the other day that I kind of forgotten about. Um, when we visited the set um, during the shooting of season one, we were just playing around. And in I had, Georgia? Or? Yeah, in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, we were playing around on the set, and one of the, I guess, whose house was it? Is it the... Uh, Mike. The no. Wheeler's house? Wheeler house. The mm-hmm. Wheeler's house? Um, anyway, in one of the rooms, they have a piano that's completely out of tune and broken so a prop we mm-hmm. yeah it's a prop we recorded one of the like low notes that sounded they were really all out weird. of tune they were like just kind of like nice. cool dissonant, dissonant weird. and weird sound like so one of those little handheld recorders used it for a couple jump scares so just like on the low end of things so something from the actual house so you did, you, did you play it and identify like oh that's kind of a cool texture we could maybe use for so like did you have something in mind when you recorded that we just well, we just saw the piano and went to go play it, and then we're like, "Oh, that's like it just really out of tune." Really out of tune. Really sounds kind of <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, do you roll around with a recorder then for moments like that? Yes. Usually, yeah. Just like a little pocket. Just keep recorder. one in your backpack. I mean, well, you've always got a phone, so you can get some version of a recording that way. But I have a, a better one that I keep in my bag. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything that strange. I mean, we use like there's some manipulated like water phones and dulcimer and mm, that's like that's pretty common run stuff through now, leslie's a lot and stuff like that but um we're just tripping on the fact that somebody actually used a real piano i know <laughs> that's back to the future <laughs> coming back yeah, yeah coming back i don't know what takes up more space a real piano or the sample space of like a, <laughs> oh, yeah. like a real piano on the plug-in <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well guys uh Thank you so much for joining the show. Also, a reminder to our listeners that uh, Michael Stein won the game. So we are giving away a signed Stranger Things album. Stein? Oh. A Stein. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's excited. Yeah. So make sure to go to our Twitter page at ScoreThePodcast and use the hashtag NameThatScore. And you, yes, you could be a winner. That's right. As Matt would say. Um, and a quick reminder to our listeners as well, uh, we're one of the fastest growing film and TV podcasts on Apple Podcasts, and that's thanks to you telling a friend, rate and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and all of the uh, favorite podcast apps that you listen to. Hey, I'm Robert Kraft for Kenny Holmes, Matt Schrader, myself, and all four of them, Michael and Stein, <laughs> Kyle and Dixon. Michael Dixon, that's your father. It is my dad's name, yes. What about... Uh... <laughs> Kyle Stein? Kyle Stein. We should look him up. Yeah. I think that might get be on your Facebook. alias. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs>